0: Our Centre Point Church. This is a recent recording from our Sunday morning gathering. We hope you can join us at the Odeon Cinema in Guildford, Sundays at 10 am. Enjoy the message. That's good. Right, we're going to be working through our series um, in uh, 1 Corinthians, uh, Church as God Intended. But just before I start that, I just want to uh, bring your attention. One more notice. Um, We're getting in gear, ready for Christmas. I know some of you are getting excited. I've seen one house already that has uh, Christmas lights uh, yeah, if you head to Wood Street, you'll see it. Um, and uh, we are on the 9th of December. We're going to be doing an outreach. Okay, so Sunday the 9th, after church, we're going to have lunch all together at the YMCA, uh, bringing share lunch. And then we're going to go out and advertise our Christmas services on the 16th and our Super Sunday on the 23rd of December. And um, also, we're just going to advertise that there is a church that meets at the cinema. We want Guildford to know that there's a church at the cinema. And so we're going to be doing a real big push on the 9th of December. So I want to encourage you to put it in your diaries. We want to go out as a church. We want a big number. We want a big presence on the high street. And we're going to be singing carols, doing face painting, giving out balloons, all sorts, uh, to ultimately make Jesus famous in Guildford. So put that in your diary. Right, 1 Corinthians. So we're in uh, chapter 8. Uh, This morning, and it's it's quite a highly charged morning, I think, being Remembrance Sunday and everything that we've been singing about this morning, about the love of God and about Jesus giving his life for us. Actually, on Remembrance Sunday, it resonates in our hearts because we know the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. And uh, no greater love than this, than someone that gives their life for a friend we know Jesus gave his life for those who despised him and mocked him, and so it, it it evokes emotion in our hearts, doesn't it, when we think about those who give their life for another we're reminded of what Jesus has done for us, and so it's it's a poignant morning, and um you'll be quite intrigued that we're actually going to find our way to that point by looking a little bit about meat. And um, you're I'm sure a little intrigued about how we're going to do that. Um, but this passage in um, 1 Corinthians 8 is all about uh, meat that was, well, animals that were sacrificed to idols. And uh, this, is, uh, this has become quite a divisive thing in the Corinthian church because you had two different camps. You had one camp that f- thought, you know what, it's actually fine to eat meat that had been once sacrificed to uh, to idols, because there's only one God, we know that God, so it's fine. But you had another camp that actually were like, not sure about this, actually they wanted to run quite far away from it, because they were like, well it's been sacrificed to idols, we don't agree with that. And particularly for new Christians at that time that were new in their faith. Actually, it reminded them of their past and they weren't comfortable with eating meat that had been sacrificed. So this is the contentious issue that um, Paul is writing about in his letter to the Corinthian church. And so this is where we're going to be looking at. So, yeah, in the... uh, Roman Empire. There was a lot of shrines that were erected, and um, pagan gods and deities, and people would come to worship these gods in the temples, and uh, they would sacrifice animals, and that was part of the festivities, and uh, there would be a lot of le- leftover meat, and that meat would then be sold in the marketplaces, and it would be sold in the restaurants, and and this is this is the context of uh, this letter. This is the situation, and so. This is what we're going to be looking at. So Paul's responding to a letter that the Corinthian church have said. They're Basically, the Corinthian leaders are saying, what about this? What about this? What about this issue? And so we're reading Paul's response and reply. But what's very interesting about Paul's letter is his pastoral heart. Paul doesn't just give a definitive answer. He doesn't just say yes, no. He actually goes beyond that and he's wanting actually to teach. And he's trying to teach people um, about the heart and the attitude behind your thoughts. And that is the priority for Paul here. And so we're going to look at this text together. So if you can turn to 1 Corinthians uh, 8, that would be brilliant. It will be up on the screen too. So, food offered to idols. Now concerning food offered to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. This knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. If anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he is known by God. Therefore, as to the eating of food offered to idols, we know that an idol has no real existence and that there is no God but one for although there may be so-called gods in heaven or on earth as indeed there are many gods and many lords yet for us there is one God the father from whom are all things and for whom we exist and one Lord Jesus Christ through whom we are all things and through whom we exist If his conscience is weak, to eat food offered to idols. And so, by your knowledge, this weak person is destroyed. The brother from whom Christ died, thus sinning against your brothers and wounding their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat, lest I make my brother stumble. Okay, so this is quite a meaty passage. No, that's my only one. That's all you're getting. But it's a challenging passage because the root of it actually deals with our pride. It deals with our heart. And we know that God is all about the heart. It deals with relationships within the church. Being part of a church is, is, is like being part of a wider family. And, and naturally with family, sometimes they can, they can become strained. Relationships can be strained over, over issues. There can be pressure. And, and there can be potential for division and potential for wounded hearts. But this is also quite a challenging passage because it's, it's quite difficult to discern the meaning from it. It requires us to really delve into the context of the letter so we know that it's the Corinthian church that have written a letter to Paul and this is Paul's response. But sometimes uh, in these verses, Paul actually uh, makes a statement which the Corinthians, so he's quoting what the Corinthian leader said and on first glance, it can look like Paul's saying this and you kind of read it and you think, well, I know the Bible's infallible, but that doesn't quite make sense. But then we realise actually Paul's quoting someone else and then it does make a lot more sense. So first off, you have uh, this slogan. So this, we, we know that we all possess knowledge. This, this slogan was basically the Corinthian church's slogan. It's not Paul saying, siding up to everyone and saying, you know, we know that we know. We know, we know. He's actually quoting them. And he's, he's kind of quoting what their tagline was at, the, at this particular time. It was basically the Corinthian church saying that we have superior knowledge. And there's an arrogance to this, to this tone, this, this statement. And it, it's not an is, isolated incident. It's kind of quite um, uh, revealing, really, of their attitude. And it's quite prevalent in the church at the time. And so this is where we see Paul just unpicking some of these statements and trying to get behind it and see what's, what's at the heart of it. Just to give you an idea, it's, it's kind of like Centerpoint having, having a, a slogan, you know, people who think and do things right. Or Centrepoint Church getting it right since 2004. <laughs> now if we had that as a tagline, Or even if we acted in a manner that suggested that was our tagline, it wouldn't be very appealing. And in fact, it would be quite detrimental to what we're trying to build. And it would detach ourselves from from the community that we so long to serve. It would be putting a barrier between us and those outside the church. So sometimes we can put barriers up between us within the church and sometimes we can put barriers from those who aren't in the church. You know, you probably sometimes heard people say, you know, I can't be a Christian. I'd never, never be good enough. I can't, I'm not good enough to be a Christian. And, and that's got to ring alarm bells when we hear that because that means that they're hearing something from us as a church, as the big C church which isn't helpful, and maybe it is inadvertently one of these slogans that says, we possess the knowledge. We are superior. So the next verse we see, Paul saying, this knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. And this is really where we're going to camp this morning. Firstly, the the puffs up bit, he's basically saying this knowledge is big headed, it's pride. Basically, it's all air, there's no substance to it. It's not a kingdom trait, it's not a desirable trait, it's actually a trait that makes you unapproachable, it's putting yourself on another level, a mantle above others. Now, I want to be really clear. Knowledge in itself is not a bad thing. Actually, desiring knowledge is a good thing. Desiring knowledge about who God is and wanting to go deep in your relationship is, a, is an amazing thing, is a great thing. Studying who God is. But it's all about the motive. What is behind the motive? You'll know the saying... Knowledge is power. I want to put it to you actually, for us, it's knowledge is reverence. Paul enforces this point by saying, verse 2 if anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. So he's really putting this attitude in place, this arrogant attitude, using the word imagines. He's saying, you can't know everything. And don't make these statements like you do. There needs to be humility in these matters. We can read this passage though. And, and when it's something like worshipping idols and sacrificing animals to God, it's so alien to us in this culture and in this, in this day. And we can always read some of these passages sometimes and just dismiss it as not being something that's relevant to us. But if we swap out this particular issue with things like politics, ethics, abortion, marriage, divorce, sexuality, gender, you realize actually there is the potential for us to adorn similar attitudes as to the Corinthian leaders. We can cast judgment on those who, whose views are differ from us, who are different from us. And not in a respectful manner. Now I want to be clear. We should hold on to our convictions. About what the Bible does say on these issues. You know we see Paul saying. In verse 6. Yet for us there is one God. The Father from whom are all things. And for whom we exist. And one Lord Jesus Christ. Through whom are all things. And through whom we exist. So he is saying yeah I agree with you. There is one God. So actually. In a way, it doesn't matter. But he's saying, what about your hearts in this? Why are you approaching it in this manner? Love your brothers and sisters. Build them up. Love those who are outside of the church. Look to build them up. In verse 3, we see, but if anyone loves God, he is known by God. It all comes back down to identity. So often on Sunday mornings, you'll hear us talk about identity, actually knowing that you are known by God. That if you devote yourself to him, if you give your life to Jesus, you are known. Your identity is in him. And so, so many times we can act out of insecurity and we can make statements out of our own insecurity. But it's so important that we know the truth that we belong to Him and we are known. We are personally known. Now it's so important that we we can discern these two types of knowledge. As I said before, actually, knowledge is a good thing, but it's it's the knowledge that transforms our hearts. So it's allowing the knowledge. Our studies of God through the text, through the Bible, is allowing that to transform our hearts, to change our thinking. It's not just head knowledge. We don't want to build a church here at Center Point that's purely based on head knowledge. We want it to be that mix of head knowledge and heart knowledge of who God is. Hearts that beat to the rhythm of the gospel. Hearts secure in the knowledge that they are known by God and that they have been transformed by Jesus. Hearts that are humbled, knowing that it is purely by the grace of God that they are saved. Not through works, not through their ability, not through their intellect, but by being chosen. 1 Peter 2 verse 9 but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. That's the knowledge that transforms our heart. That knowledge, 1 Peter 2, nine, knowing that, being secure in your identity. You are a royal priesthood, a chosen race. That's the knowledge that transforms hearts. I was, um, well, we were on holiday recently, um, and I was uh, sitting on the beach, and um, you know the new data laws uh, with the EU. I'm not going to go into EU, but you know, <laughs> being able to just. Use data abroad is amazing. And um, yeah, having just seen this photo come up um, from the first worship night, I remember just sitting on the beach and just just staring at it for a while. And there was just something about this photo. And um, uh, it was a beautiful photo. I don't know if you saw it on, um, on Facebook. Uh, and this is not to embarrass those who are in it. Um, we're not gonna. We're not gonna analyze worship postures, and you know, you've got your angles all wrong, or spatial awareness is all out. Um, but it just struck me. It was a really beautiful photo because it's hearts. It's the right knowledge that is transforming hearts, that is causing us to worship in reverence, to bow low. To humble ourselves. It's this knowledge that this is what Paul's getting at. It's not all about head knowledge and intellect, it's allowing that to change your heart and transform it. And this is the outcome. And what really stirred me about this photo is this is the blueprint of how we are going to see the gospel advance. It's coming before our God. And just humbling ourselves and enjoying our God and enjoying his presence. And this is a loving action. This is what this morning is all about. Love that builds up. As we worship, as we love, it builds up our faith. And these worship nights are going to be so important, I think, in re-envisioning us and re-energizing us, reawakening us to the gospel. As we seek his presence, as we seek his face. And I really want to encourage you to prioritise these nights. But also, we can have these amazing times of worship here on a Sunday morning as well. I want to encourage you to come with that same attitude of this, this room here, this is how we're going to change Guildford. is by coming before our God. And that loving action, love builds up. I heard um, a little while ago just the church being described as a salt depot. And I found it a really helpful uh, image of uh, this Sunday morning being the salt depot. But then our life groups being actually, you know, on the ends of your streets, you have the yellow containers that have the salt in. And as we're going to be the salt and light in this earth in Guildford, I think it's a really helpful picture as we come together. We get our shovels, <laughs> not literally, and and we go out with our salt, and then our life groups. It's almost like um, a boxer, and I know Chris is a boxer, and I am definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly, don't have the frame for it. But it's you know when they go in the ring during rounds, and they get refreshed. And someone gets, you know, I mean, you'll be able to describe it a lot better than me, but someone gets the water and mops their head and brow and a little massage and a little encouragement. Actually, this is what our life groups are. They're going to be encouraging us and saying, look, go for it. It's love that builds up that encourages you to go for it. So I really encourage you, again, prioritise those. Love builds up. It's building up a muscle of mission. As a church, we don't want to be flexing our muscle in terms of power, but we want to be flexing our muscle in terms of loving actions. And as we do it more and more, just like any muscle, the more you work it, the stronger it gets. And so the 9th of December is one thing where we're going to be building that muscle up, but it's going to grow throughout next year, throughout 2019. just been pondering this and something that's been I guess on my heart for a little while um, has been just a concern that sometimes for myself I feel like sometimes I can become a little bit apathetic to the gospel sometimes I can become a little bit overly familiar with it can almost become a little bit nonchalant to it I've been a Christian since I was about seven years old and grown up in a Christian household. And so for me, sometimes I get concerned like almost because it comes second nature, I lose the impact of it. I don't ever want to lose the impact of the gospel, the impact of Jesus dying for me. I don't want to become immune to it. I don't want to become bored of the gospel I'll take it for granted. I don't know if anyone else in this room can identify that. But I just felt something on my heart to bring this morning. Firstly, we need to know our identity. We need to know who we are in Christ. But also, I feel what is helpful if you feel that way, if you feel a little bit dry. Actually, you need to see the gospel in action. You need to be reminded of that feeling of not being able to comprehend why someone would do something for you without expecting anything in return. When you see that and when you experience that, the gospel resonates inside you. You know, when someone gives, gives you their time and they put their own life on the back seat and prioritise you over themselves... Actually, the gospel begins to resonate. This is why we love doing the Ready for Action weekend, which will be next year. We love doing that because, again, the gospel begins to resonate in our hearts. This fire in our hearts begins to burn brighter as we see the gospel in action. And this is why this Sunday is so poignant, because it resonates. The gospel resonates when we see someone sacrifice on another's behalf being totally reckless we sang that song this morning not just totally disregarding their own safety for someone else their own comfort and putting themselves in harm's way it just evokes kind of it reminds us of the power of the gospel and it reminds you of what Jesus has done for you that he loves you so much that he, gave you his, that he gave his life for you. Love that builds up. I want to encourage you to be an encourager. I want you to be praying for people in the church. Asking God, give me words of encouragement this morning for life group on wednesday thursday whatever night it is for you be praying beforehand what encouragement do you want me to give to someone because it it actually it doesn't end with one person's encouragement it doesn't stop there actually it starts a culture of honoring and it starts you encourage one person and that just snowballs that effect and we want to be a church that builds one another up in love It's a powerful thing. When I I received two texts exactly the same time um, the other day, 1940, 24 hour clock, and they both came through at the same time, two words of encouragement, and then my awareness of everything around me just increased of the potential to encourage someone else. So I was given encouragement left, right, and center, and it's just an awareness thing. So I really want to encourage you. Let's build this culture going to be using the word build a lot we're going to be using the words next week at our super sunday build a lot because this is what we're building we're not building in the physical we're building in the spiritual and uh, we're building something beautiful that we should cherish and be really excited about you know when you walk into a cathedral and you see the grandeur of it and it's spectacular and it's breathtaking you know we don't we don't have a cathedral but when you look at the hearts, working together, and the encouragement and the love for one another, that is a beautiful thing. I know it can sound a bit twee, but it is. It's a beautiful thing that we're building here at Centerpoint. And it's all because of Jesus' love for us. Can I have the bands back up? So we've been remembering those who've given their life for us and for their country. And we're going we're gonna to have a time now of remembering Jesus and what he has done for us. And we're going to be sharing communion with one another. And uh, I just encourage you, as we do this, I want to encourage you just to really reflect on what Jesus has done for you. I want you to reflect on your identity, that you are an ambassador of Christ. And then I want you to reflect on who could you encourage? Who could you build up within Center point Church? And then I want you to think about who can I encourage? Who can I build build up who's not in Center point yeah. And we're going to do that together. But we, we, we often use in, in church, we often use the analogy of going into battle when we're talking about the kingdom of God. And taking ground in Jesus' name and advancing the gospel. But in this spiritual battle, it's these intimate moments of worship and adoration where our battle lines are drawn, where we find the strength to go for the next push. And it's through bowing low and it's through gazing up. So let's stand together. We're going to worship. We're going to fix our eyes on Jesus. We're going to sing, this is our God. Freely, he gave it all for us. And then we're going to go in a time of communion. Let's sing together. Thanks for listening. Please do come and visit us. Sundays... 10am at the Odeon Cinema in Guildford We look forward to seeing you